they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Right down a little. This is Terry Barber and Mary Danielle. We're back. Bible with the Barbers. Fourth week, third week. And we are doing it at 1 o'clock every single Tuesday, God willing. And so what I would like to uh, suggest is that we do some soul food. We always do the scripture readings. But before I do that, I want to make an announcement. As Virgin Most Powerful Radio is in its 10th month, the uh, notice I wanted to mention is about our app. Many of you listen to us on our app. Well, we want you to delete the old Terry and Jesse app because it's no longer available and there's no support for it. I want to invite you to download the new Virgin Most Powerful Radio app, and it's on our homepage of the website, virginmostpowerfulradio.org, and that way you'll get the latest and the greatest app that we have. At this time, Mary Danielle, we want to give some soul food, and as Jesse and I do it in our show earlier in the day, we take the readings of the Mass, and what's so beautiful about the readings of Mass is that Throughout that three-year cycle, we get pretty much the whole Bible right. and a summary of what is right. teaching. So the reading for today is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verse 37 to 41. It's pithy, it's short, but there's a lot in there. So a reading from the Gospel of Luke. After Jesus had spoken, a Pharisee invited him to dine at his home. He entered and reclined at table to eat. The Pharisee was amazed to see that he did not observe the prescribed washing before the meal. The Lord said to him, O you Pharisee, although you cleansed the outside of the cup and the dish, inside you're filled with plunder and evil. You fools! Did you not, did not the maker of the outside also make the inside? But as to what is within, give alms. And behold, everything will be clean for you. The word of the Lord, the gospel Praise of the Lord. To you, Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Mary Danielle, give us a little commentary. It's short and sweet, but there seems to be a lot in there. There is a lot in this passage, okay? Um, Jesus is pretty severe with the Pharisees. You know, he, he has some not-so-nice words to say. But the reality is, is that he can read their hearts, and he knows what's inside. He knows what's in everyone's heart. It's interesting, if you see him with sinners, he's usually very gentle and kind. And oftentimes, because with sinners, you're dealing with someone who's humble. It's like sure. the, the story of the publican and the and the um, the Pharisee who go to the temple. And the, pub, the Pharisee goes up to the front, and he's telling God how wonderful he is. How Not how wonderful God is, how wonderful the Pharisee yeah, is. Look at, me. How, look at me, aren't I so good, and all these good things. And in the meantime, the publican's standing in the back, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Right. And this is the attitude. If we come before God with a humble heart, mm-hmm. God can work with us. But if our hearts are filled with pride and and we're just looking for our own um, exoneration, we're just looking to put ourselves out there and and have other people look at us, God can't do a whole lot with us. So he's he's making it clear that, you know, humble yourself here. But also um, the, the Pharisees had taken the laws of God and put them aside, literally put them aside for the laws of men. For instance, and Jesus points this out at one point in the gospel, you say, um, the, the commandment says, Jesus says, the commandment says, honor your father and your mother. But you say, you Pharisees, you say, if a man takes what he has and says it is korban, that is dedicated to the temple, then you tell him he doesn't have any responsibility toward his parents. (laughs) Now, (laughs) who profits when they take what they have and they dedicate it to the temple? Oh, I don't know. The Pharisees, the leaders of the people, the people who the money goes to, they profit. So they're taking, they're they're looking at their own material gain and then saying, well, now you don't have to take care of your parents because you've promised to give this to the temple. And, And here's, this is what's going on here. You're looking at the outside. Okay, so I haven't washed my hands properly. I ought not to be eating according to you. But have you looked at the inside? Have you cleansed yourself of your sin? Have you made a break with sin? Or are you just cleansing the outside so that you look good on the outside to the, those looking at you, but they can't see what's within, but God does. Yeah. 
God does. And so y- you want to make sure, you know, it's like that. It's, the external practices aren't without their merit, but they should not, we shouldn't be doing the external practices to draw attention to ourselves. The external practice should flow from a love that wells out of the heart. It's like the saints. They didn't do tremendous penances and become saints because they did these tremendous penances. They fell in love with God. And then in falling in love with God, they asked the Lord, what is it that you want us to do? And they followed his inspiration and his directives in terms of what penances they should do or what works they should do. So the scripture is not saying that you don't do the external things, but make sure that the internal and the external go together and that they're not um, opposed to one another. Mm -hmm. We need to have that deep conversion of heart where we actually love and fall in love with God. And then if we fall in love with God, the external gestures bespeak the love. But if we're not loving, the external gestures are done just for the sake of getting attention. And John Paul II gave an address to young people, and he was talking about almsgiving. And he says the Greek word for alms, elimoisine, comes from eleos, meaning compassion Ah. and mercy. Various circumstances have combined to change this meaning so that almsgiving is often regarded as a cold act with no love in it. But almsgiving, in the proper sense, means realizing the needs of others and letting them share in one's own goods. Who would say that there will not always be others who need help, especially spiritual help, support, consolation, fraternity, love. The world is always very poor as far as love is concerned. So we should have that love flowing out of our heart and be giving that love, allowing the love of God flow, the love of God to well up in us and then flow from us to those around us. So empathy, compassion for those who are in need. Who's our neighbor? The one that's in need. Anyone in need. Yeah. And so I get that. And that's a beautiful reading for today. Mary Danielle, we have uh, a topic of Thomas Aquinas today and the Bible and his magisterial teachings of Thomas. And I want to see if we can uh, determine uh, the role Thomas Aquinas played at his life in his life many centuries ago and how it's needed today. So um, we're going to take a break in just a few minutes, but we have some time. I would I wanted to ask these questions because uh, Thomas Aquinas is known for being the angelic doctor. And I mean, he wrote so much in such a small amount of time and much of it he was promoting with scripture. It was almost like, like, um, I don't want to call him a fundamentalist today because he just quoted scripture everywhere you read. But if I know some of my Protestant brothers, when they read Thomas, they go, wow, this guy's Catholic? I mean, he knows the Bible. Uh, yeah, I would say so. So tell us about Thomas and what was his uh, approach to reading the Bible and why is it important for us today to go back to his approach? Well, Thomas, in the in the Middle Ages, the um, theology was was regarded as really nothing more than interpreting sacred scripture. You mean to tell me theology was just taking the Bible and studying God's word and applying it to our lives? We didn't have sociologists back then. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Is that well, true? Well, you had sociologists, but they, they they didn't look at the human condition and then draw conclusions about God. Oh, they had something higher, huh? Yeah, they, they looked at God and said, okay, what are we supposed <laughs> to do to make this human condition better? Here? I get it. I get <laughs> so, it. I get it. So so Thomas is, um, and, and the, the theologians of his day, remember, doctrine and scripture aren't opposed to one another. Amen. You, they go together. And so the, the doctrines come out of the scripture. Yes. And so you interpret the sacred page and that helps you to understand the doctrines better. Thomas, in his Summa Theologica, uses the terms sacred doctrine and sacred scripture in a mutually inclusive sense and considers the explanation of the Bible the central task of theology. Wow. So this is so Thomas is still, you know, when we study scripture, we should understand that this, 
This is the source of theology, scripture, and that's what Thomas is is teaching. And then the the the, the church, the magisterial church, yes. that is the pope and the bishops in union with him, the teaching office of the church. The popes have given us some incredible statements about Thomas, who he is, and what he can teach us. And we should go back to Thomas. Well, when we come back from the break, I'm going to ask you just that. What does the popes in the past have to say about Thomas? And I would go all the way to, what, John Paul II, Benedict. I, I'll be honest with you, I'm still, I would like to see Francis quote Thomas too, but I, I haven't found that yet, but I'm hoping that he will. You're listening to the, to, uh, the Barbers with the Bible with the Barbers, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the popes and what they have to say about St. Thomas Aquinas. A quick note, there's going to be a conference November 30th, December 1st, here at the Sacred Heart Chapel called the Deep Heart of God, and it's a two-day conference, and if I would suggest it's put on by the St. Uh, John Paul II Healing Center. If you go to jp2healingcenter.org, you can get much of the information. You can actually register for this event from November 30th to December 1st. I'll be there. My wife will be here, right? We're going to it. So. <laughs> and uh, that's going to be at the Sacred Heart Chapel. Go to jp2healingcenter.org. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Thomas Aquinas and what did the popes have to say about the angelic doctor and how it is applied to our lives today in 2018-2019. More with the Barber with the Bible. Bible with the Barbers. I'll get it straight. Yeah, it's new. We come back, you're going to enjoy it because you're going to learn some insights about the Bible that you've never had before. I promise you. Matthew Arnold here, host of Happy Hour on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Part of our daily schedule of live 100% Catholic programs, along with the Terry and Jesse Show and the Bar of History with Dr. Ed Mazza. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. This fall, Virgin Most Powerful Radio will be rolling out another original live program, Jesus 911 with Jesse Romero, Eddie Chavez, and Ruben Nava. Three ex-cops sharing true stories of evangelization and spiritual warfare on the streets of Los Angeles. We're also remodeling our studio and preparing to launch our new website and smartphone app. We desperately need to fix the bugs so you can listen live on our app or YouTube without any glitches. Plus, meet traditional broadcast standards in order to provide our exclusive programming to Catholic radio stations around the country and around the world absolutely free of charge. As usual, we're doing it all on a shoestring budget but we cannot do it without you. If you like what you hear on Virgin Most Powerful, I ask you to please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. This October 13th, we invite you to Virgin Most Powerful's Call to Holiness Conference, Serious Scandals, Spiritual Solutions, at the Sacred Heart Chapel in Covina. Join Catholic authors and BMPR hosts Matthew Arnold, Dr. Ed Mazza, and Terry Barber to discover how you and your family can navigate the current crisis in the church with your faith not only intact, but stronger than ever before. Visit vmpr.org to register online now. Now, back to Happy Hour. If you'd like to join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Matthew. Actually, Matthew, but I am happy. I'm here with my faithful bride, Mary Danielle. And I wanted to say, I gave a teaser. I said, let's talk about what the popes have said about St. Thomas Aquinas. So, Mary Danielle... Give us some of the quotes from the popes of the past centuries. 
All right. Well, Pope Leo XIII wrote this. Mm -hmm. Among the scholastic doctors, the chief and master of all towers, Aquinas, who, as Cajetan observes, because he most venerated the ancient doctors of the church, in a certain way seems to have inherited the intellect of all. Mm. He is rightly and deservedly esteemed the special bulwark and glory of the Catholic faith. With his spirit at once humble and swift, his memory ready and tenacious, his life spotless throughout, a love for truth for its own sake, richly endowed with human and divine science, like the sun, he heated the world with the warmth of his virtue and filled it with the splendor of his teachings. Moreover, the angelic doctor, that is Thomas Aquinas, mm -hmm. single-handed, victoriously combated the errors of former times and supplied invincible arms to put those to rout which might in after times spring up. Yeah. That's from Pope Leo XIII. Well, I love what he said about love for truth. Wow. For its own sake. For its own sake. And, you know, I think Thomas is giving us much food today in the church when it comes to the Eucharist, because his language is so clear on that, yes. and his love for the sacraments. Um, I know I think of Fulton Sheen, and he always quotes Thomas Aquinas. He's like <laughs> the term Thomistic. And so we hear that term for our listeners when we say, oh, he's a, a Thomistic philosopher. What does that actually mean? Well, he, he follows along the road of St. Thomas Aquinas, who was extremely clear thinking. There's no, um, this idea that you either have faith or you have reason, you know, mm -hmm. and somehow that they're opposed to one another. Right. No, the two of them go together. And yeah. in Thomas, you have, as a matter of fact, Pope John. Um, Saint. Pope, yeah, <laughs> Saint. <laughs> Good morning. John Paul II. Yes. He, he had an interesting thing to say about this in, in terms of Thomas bringing faith and reason together. Yes. He said, it should be clear why the magisterium has repeatedly acclaimed the merits of St. Thomas's thought and made him the guide and model for theological studies. The magisterium's intention has always been to show how St. Thomas is an authentic model for all those who seek truth. Wow. In his thinking, the demands of reason and the power of faith found the most elevated synthesis ever attained by human thought. That's a mouthful. That is a mouthful. But, you know, when I think about it, now I know why he's St. John Paul II. <laughs> Great. Because he really did love Thomas Aquinas. He did. He did. And, and what I think about it, not to, I want to hear the other popes, but Pope St. John Paul II II wrote a document called Veritatis Splendor, I think it was 1988, and he went heavily with Thomistic philosophy to really, I'm going to say this right on the radio, he actually went after these moral relativists who try to explain, you know, that circumstances uh, make everything change when it comes to <laughs> sin, moral relativism. And Veritatis Splendor, using Thomas, just stopped it in its tracks. And so today, here it is, what, 1988? That's 30 years ago. It's so important that we reread that document because today we have lots of theologians trying to explain away things that are contrary to what St. John Paul II said about Thomas Aquinas. And again, St. John Paul II, this, this particular quote is from Fides et Ratio, ah. Faith and Reason. Yeah, faith and Reason are not opposed to one another, and the Catholic Church has never put them in a, in a, in a position of, of opposition, that it was rationalist thinkers who actually said that, that faith and reason can't go together, not the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church has always understood that God gave, us, gave man the ability to reason, and therefore the ability to reason cannot be contrary to the faith. Because God made the ability to reason, it's a gift. I don't want to get you sidetracked, but you know our Protestant brothers, when they see, when they understand that, so many of my Protestant friends who become Catholic look at that and go, "That's brilliant!" Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> "Wow, really? That's yeah. how it works?" Yeah. Because that's not what they were taught. But you know what the thing about truth is? It's very attractive. It so many times when you see the truth, you go, "Wow!" Yeah. And that light bulb is turned on. Any other popes? There were. Um, it's interesting because Pope 
Leo the Thirteenth also encouraged that that all theology, oh. all theologians should be studying the Summa Theologica of Saint Thomas, and that the professors should explain to their students how to study the Summa, because Thomas he gives you the the principles of the faith, and it's just a synthesis that is so important to understand. Can I just throw something out? What he just said about all theologians, all seminaries, I have to say one of the things that are coming back now, because in the right after the so-called spirit of Vatican II, <laughs> a lot of Thomas was thrown out of the seminary. My friends told yeah. me that, yeah, we didn't really study much about Thomas and the Summa Theological, but now he seems to be coming back and implementing what the Holy Father has said, because this formation is essential for priests to understand the Summa. Yeah, absolutely. And we have Pope Pius X said that the angelic doctor, that is St. Thomas, Mm -hmm. as the leader and master of theology, whose divine genius fashioned weapons marvelously suited to protect the truth and destroy the many errors of the times, Indeed, those principles of wisdom useful for all time, which the holy fathers and doctors passed on to us, have been organized by no one more aptly than by Thomas, and no one has explained them more clearly. So according to Pius X, Thomas has brought this synthesis together. (laughs) And so if we want to be able to know the truth and combat the errors, we have to have this synthesis and that's why we want to study Thomas. Well, what impressed me there is, and this is the Pope who did the uh, you know, modernism document in 1907, that we ask everybody to go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and, and uh, sign up on that because he uses military language, and it really does uh, grab me as a man, Mary, when he says protect the truth, destroy many errors of our time. I got to tell you, this is a, over a hundred years later, and it's ringing in my ear, saying, "Wow, we got to stand up for the truth." And what I really like about it is how he says that no one more aptly than Thomas, and no one has explained them more clearly. I think of not just on topics of well, morality, but even on the sacraments. When he talks about the transubstantiation and the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, if we didn't have Thomas, much of our teachings wouldn't be as clear. Would you agree with that? I would agree. And I I think that's what the Holy Fathers are pointing out to us. Um, Pope Pius XI wrote, There can be no doubt that Thomas raised theology to the highest eminence. Wow. For his knowledge of divine things was absolutely perfect. Mm -hmm. Thomas is therefore considered the prince of teachers in our schools because (laughs) of his theological studies. There is no branch of theology in which he did not exercise the incredible fecundity of his genius. Wow. His genius was absolutely fruitful. And there it is, Pius Pius XI there. So, Mary, you're getting me all excited. You do that often, I might, after 30 years. I'm still excited to be with you, especially talking about our faith. Amen. Mary, when we come back from the break, I know our listeners are going, okay, St. Thomas Aquinas is a good guy. He's clear. Uh, His teachings are clear. Can we shift into uh, the Bible? Or is that too early to get right into the Bible? What he has to say about, I don't have that page, so... uh, Go ahead and explain what we want to cover with that. Well, we just have a few more quotes from the from the popes that we want to get into. I've already some... sold on it. You don't need any more popes oh, oh. for me, but go ahead. we got a minute. Go ahead and tell us some more well, popes. Well, they have... Uh, They're endorsing St. Thomas Aquinas. Thomas alone enlightened the church more than all other doctors. A man can derive more profit in one year from his books than from pondering all his life the teachings of others. That was Pope John the, 23rd. the 22nd. Oh, 22nd. And that was cited by Pope Pius XI. Oh. But there's also something from Pope Clement here, if I have a minute. You have a minute. Go This for is it. incredible. You, everybody, get your seatbelts on. Put your seatbelts on. Listen to this one closely. Thomas's teaching, above that of all others, the canonical writings alone accepted, yeah. only the scripture yeah. accepted, Thomas's teaching, above all others, enjoys such a precision of language and an order of matters of truth 
excuse me, an order of matters, mm -hmm. a truth of conclusion that those who hold to it are never found swerving from the path of truth, and he who dare assail it will always be suspected of error. Wow, who so said that? That was Pope Clement VI. And that was like, what, in the 1530s? That was in the 1350s. 1350s. I forgot about that. Those the years go by so fast, honey. Yeah, yeah. And and then Pope Clement the the eighth wrote in 1603. Yeah. And this one, this one is just beautiful. Of, of the top of them all, the proof of his doctrine is the great number of books which he wrote in a very short time. In particularly, every branch of learning with remarkable order and wonderful planning, and with no error at all. While writing these works, he had the holy apostles Peter and Paul speaking to him. And at the command of God, they explained certain passages to him. When he finished his works, he heard them approved by the express word of Christ the Lord. Wow, you know, this is better than coffee in the afternoon. I'm so fired up right now. I don't need any iced tea. Thomas is getting me excited about our Catholic faith. And then going into Scripture, you know, the, the sense of Scripture. What does he have to say about all that? The common desire of all of us learning about our Bibles. Thomas is amazing, Mary Danielle. And, and let me just ask you, we have a minute before we break. What else would our listeners learn later in the show about Thomas, so I want to keep them there. What's What else are we going to cover with Thomas? Well, we're going to talk about a little bit about Thomas's approach to the scriptures. Okay. And um, th th just what I just read to you, If think about what he said there. He's saying that Thomas actually received his knowledge mystically. Wow. That, that Saints Peter and Saint Paul were teaching Saint Thomas things directly. Unbelievable. Through, mis through mystical experience. It's sure. like, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> So St. Thomas Aquinas, please pray for us Amen. for us today. Amen. We need a we need to go back to Thomas big time. You're listening to the Bible with the Barbers here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I want to remind you if you have the old app, which is the Terry and Jesse Show app, it's no longer available and there's no support for it. I want to invite you to download the brand new Virgin Most Powerful Radio app. It's on our homepage, on our website, and I think you're going to be very happy on the 19th of October, our new app for the Apple users. Android's already got one very a good app. So we're trying to help you get more ways of learning about your faith here on Virgin Most Park. When we come back more with St. Thomas Aquinas. This is Terry Barber encouraging you to go to catholicrc.org. Take a look at all the CDs and the downloads from St. Joseph Communications. I have them all discounted on our website. And every time you purchase a CD, whether it's a download or a DVD, a portion of it goes right back to supporting the Terry and Jesse show because the profits come right back to our radio network. So I want to encourage you to go to catholicrc.org. Also, while you're there, if you buy product from Amazon, go to Smile Amazon on our website. Register the Catholic Resource Center as a beneficiary because when you purchase anything from Amazon, a portion of it, they write us a check for that each quarter. And that's also going to support the Terry and Jesse show. So pick up Scott Hahn, Tim Staples, Father Bill Casey. We've got the spiritual warfare conferences for years to come. I think four or five years now of spiritual warfare conferences. All this is available on our website, catholicrc.org. Download the material or purchase the CDs or the DVDs. Be inspired. Pass them on to friends. We're making these available to you. This is 40 years of my work of recording these conferences, and I want to make them available to you, whether you purchase them through a CD, a DVD, or a download. Share it with a friend or a family member. Let's bring a, a soul back to the Christ and his church. That's catholicrc.org or call us at 877-526-2151. May God richly bless you.
buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back. We're glad to be here. Bible with the Barbers. And if you have a question about your Bible, you're always welcome to call us, 888-526-2151. We're having fun in the afternoon talking about St. Thomas Aquinas and what the saints and popes have had to say about him and why we need to learn more from Thomas. Mm-hmm. Mary, continue on, please. Well, we just we have one more quote here from Pius XI. Oh, yeah. Pius XI said that Thomas was not only the angelic doctor, but he called him the common or universal doctor of the church. Wow. He said, we so heartily approve the magnificent tribute of praise bestowed upon this most divine genius that we consider that Thomas should be called not only the angelic, but also the common or universal doctor of the church. And just um, the one I read before the break where, you know, it says that St. Peter and Paul, you know, gave their taught Thomas directly through through mystical knowledge and that Christ himself actually approved what Thomas wrote. Thomas had a vision and our Lord told him, Thomas, you have written well of me. And then he said, Thomas, what do you want in return? I love this. And I just love Thomas's answer. <laughs> he said, only you, Lord. Amen. And this, you know, hopefully this would be the desire of all of our hearts. It's not, it's not about me, Lord. It's about you. I want you. <laughs> it seems to me, Mary, that the renewal of the Catholic Church, that the Second Vatican Council spoke about, you know, the universal call to holiness. Right. It fits right in with Thomas. That's it. That's and, it. And I, I have to say, and I know this is politically incorrect and, that's the Terry and Jesse show, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> well, the real Vatican II, please stand up. Let's go back to Thomas. Amen. Let's go and, back and, to Thomas. And Mary, all these great comments from the popes, it seems like Thomas, if we have these you know, several thousand canonized saints, yeah. it seems to me that if we could put Thomas anywhere, he's got to be top of the food chain. Would you agree with that? Yes, Thomas is right there at the top. Okay, <laughs> so let's continue. God gave Thomas many gifts, and he used all of them to praise the Lord. Amen. And we all do the same. Mm-hmm. So Thomas teaches us about the multiplicity of senses of Scripture. Oh, good. But in that multiplicity, he, he tells us there's no... That, that doesn't mean there's equivocation or there's, a, you know, Scripture's a fight with itself or... But that the first sense that you want to look at in any passage of scripture that you study is what is the literal historical sense and that you know modern scholarship where they go back and study the original languages and try and understand the historical context of when the book was written that's all very good important and it's important because we need to understand the literal historical sense before we can understand what's called the spiritual senses of scripture and thomas lays out for us that there are there are three spiritual senses tell us the allegorical sense Mm -hmm which means how is the Old Testament fulfilled in Christ? Mm -hmm. The moral sense, which means how does that apply to my life, my life in Christ? How am I supposed to be living? And then the anagogical sense, which means the heavenly fulfillment. We weren't made for a finality here on this earth. What? Oops, I forgot to tell him. You broke my heart. (laughs) Last time I looked, nobody gets out alive. I get it. That's right. And our finality is in heaven. It's It's in heaven with God. And that's one of the reasons why when Thomas, you know, everything that he had done, it's like, well, Lord, I, you know, it's not about me. It's not about a claim. It's not about fame or wealth or it's about you, Lord. I want you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you. Yeah. Very simple. I mean, that just that 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 clear-minded, absolute, direct, um, single-minded purpose that I want to serve the Lord and I want to be with the Lord. And this is what Thomas holds up for us. And this is what we should find in Scripture. And of course, Scripture is God speaking to us. And for us, it's not, I mean, the book didn't come first. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was the word existed from all eternity. So the word is, and again, read the Second Vatican Council document, Dei Verbum, on, this, on, on the word of God. Mm-hmm. And you come to understand more fully how the church asks us to read the scriptures. Can I interrupt this for an important note? I forgot to tell everybody. You ready? 
Mary Danielle has a Bible study every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. So if you like what you're hearing about Thomas and the Bible, she's going to be here tonight at 7 p.m. if you're in Southern California. And also on Thursdays at 1 o'clock, I always joke, I said, for the old folks like me who don't like to go out at night, she also does a Bible study at 1 o'clock in the afternoon here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. Mary Danielle, I, I know you're talking about the Bible and Thomas, and we have his insights on how to read the Bible, because I, I ask you this because many of our listeners are just saying, okay, I got my own Bible, but you know, can Thomas help me along in reading my Bible? What can he give me? What advice would Thomas give other than the th- things you just mentioned? What else would Thomas suggest? Well, I think the first thing that Thomas would suggest is to look to the Lord and say, Lord, this is your word. Speak to me through your Uh, word. And and Thomas, it's interesting. Um, G.K. Chesterton wrote a book called The Dumb Ox. Yeah, I remember. And the Thomas of the 20th century said that Chesterton did, and it's not a huge book. It's a very small book. He said, they said that Chesterton did what none of them could do. And that was that he grasped the essence of the man. Yeah. And the essence of St. Thomas Aquinas, the essence of his life, is that love relationship with God. Thomas was so in love with God. You know, Thomas wanted to be a priest. His family was more well-to-do. They weren't real interested in him becoming a Dominican priest. They had other plans for him. They were a little more uh, earthly, you might say. And so he had told them he was determined to become a Dominican priest. And so they said, fine, we're going to change your mind. And they locked him in his room and they brought in a woman and locked her in the room. A very pretty woman, I might add. (laughs) And they seduced him. They were trying to seduce Thomas. Now, this is, to me, this is mind boggling. Yes, your family. Your family, your Catholic family, right? And they're trying to get you to commit a moral sin so that you'll give up your resolve to give your life to God. It's like, whoa. Not much support there. And Thomas drove the woman out of the room with a break with a fight with he took a piece of wood out of the fire and drove the woman out of the room and then he emblazoned the cross on his door with that piece of wood he burned the sign of the cross on the door of his room his family gave in and let him go into the monastery you know that's a good meditation the next time you have a temptation for lust Think of Thomas Aquinas and ask him to intercede for you. There you go. Wow. That's a fantastic story. But again, that that came out of his love. He was so in love with God that no other love could take, you know. And and so so Thomas would say, fall in love with God. Ask the Lord to to let you fall more deeply in love with him every day. Mm -hmm. And then read his word. Do read it. Because if you don't read it, you're not going to know what's there. And when you read it, know that God is speaking to you. It's a love letter from your father in heaven that was signed with the blood of his son. Well said. Which means his son also loves you and the father and the son give you their Holy Spirit. So it's about that love. And in that love, getting into the scripture itself, we find out in the scripture that the the scripture is about worship. Amen. It's about liturgy. And it's like, what What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, you know, it's interesting. If you look at the ancient peoples, and there's always this seems to be the sense that we need to worship God. We need to have this. There is a God. Everybody can figure that out. They don't need faith to figure that out. That just our own reason can tell us there's a God. I didn't make myself. I have a belly button, right? As Bishop Sheen would say, I'm connected to history. I, I wasn't the maker of myself. So and so we know that there has to be someone who made everything. And and everybody's had this sense that we need to worship the one who made everything. Mm-hmm. But look at the different forms of worship that rose up. And many of them were confused and people didn't know how. So God took his people. And at Sinai, when he took his people out of Egypt, he makes a covenant with Moses. And he that covenant is not just a contract. It's not just an exchange of, of goods. goods. Yeah. It's an exchange of persons. He said, I will be your God and you will be my people. He's adopting Israel as his family and not so that they can exclusively be his family and, you know, thumb their nose at everybody else, but so that they can bring him to the other nations. And so he makes this covenant at Sinai with them. And and with that, he seals that covenant with an oath and it's sealed in his own name. And there's an exchange of persons there. And it creates a family bond, that we are bonded to God, that he is our father. And we truly are his children, not by nature, but 
by grace and that, that he adopts us as his children. He is God and we are not and we will never be God. But nonetheless, he wants us to enter into this loving relationship with him. And this relationship, because he is creator, because he is God, has to involve worship. How do we properly worship? So in the Old Testament, he gave Moses directives about how worship should be carried out. So is it still important today in 2018, Mary, that our worship be done properly and not irrelevantly? In other words, should we be concerned about right worship today? Absolutely. God is God and we are not. And he is a jealous lover and God cannot allow us to have anyone before him because he is God. And if we love something else above him, then we're, we're putting, that's idolatry. We're putting something else in front of God. And so we need to learn to put God first. And the worship of God is so vitally important to our life in the spirit. How, how do we live? We need to put God first. And so we look to the scriptures and it's interesting because the old covenant, the old Testament You're not going to fully understand it until you get the New Testament because the Old Testament, the whole point of it is to prepare people for the coming of Christ. And so it's only Christ who fully explains to us what was going on in the Old Testament. And then the New Testament, too, we're not going to fully understand if we don't know the old. St. Jerome said ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. So we want to know the whole thing. But the liturgy throughout the scripture, mm-hmm. there is this liturgical, uh, these liturgical underpinnings. You know, when God creates the world, he has, there's liturgical concerns that show up mm-hmm. in, in the creation in Genesis. The stars are presented as lamps. <laughs> well, the lamps would be used in the temple and in the worship. That's right. And and then Adam is described as a priest in Genesis 2.15. The Psalms are written to be sung in the liturgy, and they were sung in the liturgy when the temple was built. Awesome. You have in the Gospels, um, when Jesus works miracles, there are miracles that he works, and and some of them are evocative of the Eucharist, exactly. the multiplication of the loaves and the fishes. And you have, of course, that very strong Eucharistic imagery in John 6. And then um, when the epistles, when Paul wrote his epistle... Let and, me interrupt you, yes. young lady. <laughs> I'm getting excited. When you talk about worship and liturgy with St. Thomas... It excites me. When we come back, we're going to continue to talk about the Bible, St. Thomas Aquinas, and the correct worship of God and how it's tied back into us in the little man. Back more with the Bible with the Barbers here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Matthew Arnold here, host of Happy Hour on Virgin Most Powerful Radio, part of our daily schedule of live 100% Catholic programs, along with the Terry and Jesse Show and the Bar of History with Dr. Ed Mazza. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. This fall, Virgin Most Powerful Radio will be rolling out another original live program, Jesus 911 with Jesse Romero, Eddie Chavez, and Ruben Nava, three ex-cops sharing true stories of evangelization and spiritual warfare on the streets of Los Angeles. We're also remodeling our studio and preparing to launch our new website and smartphone app. We desperately need to fix the bugs so you can listen live on our app or YouTube without any glitches. Plus, meet traditional broadcast standards in order to provide our exclusive programming to Catholic radio stations around the country and around the world absolutely free of charge. As usual, we're doing it all on a shoestring budget but we cannot do it without you. If you like what you hear on Virgin Most Powerful, I ask you to please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org.
buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Hey, Bible with the Barbers. Aren't you glad now that I brought my wife into the picture <laughs> after 30 years? Yeah. Mary Danielle, as I mentioned, has a master's in biblical studies from John Paul II the Great, and we're taking notes here. This is all stuff that we went through years ago, and it's just bringing back great memories. We're talking about worship and what Thomas Aquinas has to say about right worship. So, Mary, continue. In, this, in the scriptures here, we have um, you have this liturgical content and this liturgical context of mm-hmm. scripture. And there's much about liturgy in the scriptures. Yeah. There's much about God teaching his people the proper form of worship. And then the scriptures are written to be read during the worship of God. And it's interesting, in the New Covenant, when Jesus founds the New Covenant, mm-hmm. at the Last Supper, um, we read in Paul's letter to Corinthians, I believe this is, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also the cup, after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And that's from one of St. Paul's letters. And the point here is that Jesus establishes the new covenant in his blood yes. before a single word of the New Testament is written. Is that amazing? And so, again, the, the scriptures, yes, it's God's word, but we need the authority of the church to tell us what is scripture. And this is what the church does. And that's, we talked about this in the canon last the canon week, in, the Bible, yeah. which where it was, um, when it was decided, what was the canon? Mm-hmm. At, the fir- at first, it was 382 at the Council of Rome, and then in, in 393 at, and 397 at Hippo and Hippo, thank yeah. you. And then again, even over the years, there were other councils that reiterated the same canon over and over again. Mm-hmm. And it, it was only Council of Trent made it doctrinal because there was the, this Protestant movement to throw out some of the Bible. Right. And so the... The Council of Trent is saying, no, these books have been in the, in the Bible. These have been considered canonical books inspired by God and his word. So we're going to keep them. But we have in the scripture, especially if we look at the book of the Apocalypse. Oh, yeah. The Apocalypse, the, Revelation. the book of Revelation is an incredibly, the, the book, first of all, it's written in the spirit on the Lord's day, Revelation 1.10. Mm-hmm. And then you have the blessing on the lector and the congregation in Revelation 1.3. You have the Eucharistic references in Revelation 3.20. You have a, lit, a liturgical structure of the book, okay? A, a book is read first for the first 11 chapters, and then the cups are poured out. Sounds like the Mass. It sounds like the Mass, you know, and you have liturgical Im- imagery all through the book of Revelation. Yeah. And so this there's this material unity of Scripture and liturgy that they're brought together and of course why wouldn't they be you know who gave us liturgy who gives us the mass it's christ himself and yes the scripture records it but first jesus acted it out and that is you know if the eucharist is the source and the summit of the christian life which vatican ii says which vatican ii says then we need to look at the the birth of the eucharist in the scripture and meditate on how this was brought about. Wow. And you know, sometimes people talk as if as if 
well, you know, we kind of don't know, and well, maybe it was that way, and we really can't know history, and we can't know what, well, is that really true? That sounds like the guys that want to come and look at the Bible from the perspective of doubt. Right. And that's not a good way of approaching the Bible. No, it's not. We're this, The church teaches us we're supposed to approach the scripture with an attitude of faith. Amen. We believe that the scripture is the inspired word of God. Amen. And that it hands on without error the truths that God intended to put in it. And, you know, God is the author of all creation, correct? Correct. So can he falsify anything? No. But can we misunderstand? Yes. <laughs> all the time. And maybe we do. And, and again, when we're talking about the inerrancy of scripture... It, it applies to the original text. Again, why it's important to go back and study the original languages. Why it's important to understand the scripture in the context in which it was written so that we don't get confused about, well, maybe it means this. If I take my 20th century mindset and impose it on the scriptures and read the Old Testament with my 20th century mindset, I'm going to be reading a totally different reality mm -hmm. than what actually happened. Well, Mary, who's the saint that said... If I read the Bible and I get it wrong uh, because I interpret it, you know, that it must be me that's making the error. Who, who said that? Well, St. Augustine that said, he said that if we think there's an error in Scripture, yeah. we have three possibilities that's to consider. Right. Okay. One mm -hmm. is that I have a bad copy. Someone miscopied the text. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the copies are not guaranteed to be inerrant or inspired. One could be that I have a bad translation. Mm -hmm. Maybe somebody mistranslated something because they didn't understand how to translate it. The translations aren't considered to be inerrant. Mm -hmm. Or the third possibility Augustine gave us is that, oh, maybe there's something I don't understand? Yeah, thank humility, huh? <laughs> like Thomas, that the humble approach that God is God and I am not, mm -hmm. and that God has a truth that he wants to reveal to me. And it's not indifferent. God made me for himself. He made me for union with himself. We were made for worship. We were made to come into union with God and contact with God. And this is what Thomas knew from the very core of his being, that his whole life was about that orientation toward God, that everything in his life was either taking him closer to God or taking him away from God. And he chose, he consciously and deliberately chose that he would try to make everything in his life bring him closer to God and not choose those things that might take him away. Now I know why Bishop Sheen got that saying, every action's like a blank check. If Christ's name is on it, it has infinite value. If your name is on it, it's just what you got in the bank. He's taking that from Thomistic philosophy. Is that correct? That's correct. And here's the kicker about Thomas. Some people say, oh, he's hard to understand. He's Billy, <laughs> you know, don't even try. Those are the people, in my humble opinion, who just don't want to hear it. Because I think we, in our own family with our kids, we taught our children, you know, the Thomas Aquinas Catechism, and it makes people think rather than just react. So, in the action items for the last couple minutes that we have, what action items can we give our listeners about St. Thomas? Should they go online and Google his name, learn a little bit about him? Should they uh, read a little bit on, online any particular document? Give us some suggestions. Well, Thomas Aquinas, definitely you could go online and Google it. I would suggest that everybody get The Dumb Ox, by G.K. Chesterton and read it. It's available. <laughs> it's, it's an incredible introduction to Thomas and who he was. And really, if you want to understand Thomas, the man, read Chesterton's The Dumb Ox. In addition to that, try reading the Summa. But when you read the Summa, remember, there's, a good, there's going to be a question first, and then there's going to be objections. Those objections are not Thomas's argument. Okay? Those objections that come first are not Thomas's argument. Go to the part where it says, I answer that. Mm -hmm. So read the question, and then I answer that, and read through his explanation. And then you can go back and, and maybe read the objections. But remember that the objections are not Thomas's argument. Those are the arguments that he's answering. And also, I would really suggest strongly that everybody start reading scriptures at least 10, 15 minutes a day. There you go. And really begin to delve into this this 
love letter that God has written to us. God loves us. God is love. He who abides in love abides in God and God in him. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are a community of love and life. They are, St. John Paul II said, the original family, because in God there is fatherhood, there is sonship, and the essence of the family, which is love. So you have this tremendous love that God has poured out for us. And he wrote in human words. He inspired men to write in human words all the truths he wanted us to know so that we could know how much he loves us and how deeply he wants us to fall in love with him. And the church gives us indulgences when we read the Bible. Absolutely. Uh, and indulgences when we are in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Let me ask you this. What about doing both? What about taking your Bible to make a visit before the Blessed Sacrament and maybe opening up a gospel? Would you recommend that, Mary? Yes, absolutely. That would be tremendous. If you go and, and open up the scriptures and, and realize that and do it before our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament because now you have his word in writing, yeah, in the words of men, but now you are before the word of God wow. who loves you and is there waiting for you day and night. Our Lord is always there in the Blessed Sacrament. And I might add, the Catholic Church, here we are, we have both. Our Protestant brothers really have, you know, they're short a couple, about five or six books, but they don't have the real <laughs> presence of Christ in the Eucharist. So take advantage of making a visit to the Blessed Sacrament with your Bible, and I, I know Jesus will talk to the, to you, especially before his Eucharistic king. And I want to recommend that to all of us to make it a habit. When you go to make a visit, bring your Bible. Yeah. Read, Bible. even if it's only five minutes. Yeah. But Amen. it's something that will touch you because it's God's love letter. Mary Danielle's going to be at the Sacred Heart Chapel tonight at 7 o'clock. If you're in Southern California, come to the, the Bible study at 7 p.m., and then on Thursday, she'll be back, actually at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. That's correct. On Thursday, Thursday for people yeah. who don't want to go out at night. Yeah. And uh, if you uh, want to share this with social media, we'd love to have you do that. Take, if you're looking to us on Facebook or YouTube, uh, use your social media to encourage more people to come and listen to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We have Jesus 911. We have the Terry and Jesse show. We have Gary Machuda on Apologetics. And now uh, Matthew Arnold's going to be in the studio five days a week with us doing programming, helping us in the studio there. Uh, we also are going to, don't forget to listen to Father John Carapi, his um, catechism lessons, because if there's one thing I've learned, Mary Danielle, after 40 years, is Catholics need to know the basics. Yeah. They don't seem to get the basics on the faith. Yeah. And so I'm really happy that you're sharing a barber with the Bible, Bible with the barbers, because you're giving fundamental teachings about a love letter that was given to us. And I have to say this, many Catholics are still unaware that the church is asking you to read the Bible daily. Amen. So that's Amen. what we want to encourage you. I'll give you the last 30 seconds, my love. <laughs> well, read the scriptures every day and, and pray over them. And um, remember always to ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten your mind and your heart and ask your guardian angel to join you. Ask your guardian angel to come alongside you and help to give you light because that's what our angels do. They, they enlighten us and guide us on our way to heaven. They want us to get to heaven. So stay close to the Lord and um, ask him every day that you will fall more deeply in love with him. And Virgin Most Powerful, Clarity with Charity. We'll be back again next Thursday, next Tuesday. God love you. Prayer is a conversation, and a conversation goes two ways. We speak and we listen. But how do we listen to God? Do we look for signs? I just saw a leaf blow across the street. Am I supposed to leaf my boyfriend? <laughs> I guess God can use signs, but for the most part, He speaks more simply than that, through Scripture. Every day before anything else gets into your head, I want you to start by opening the gospel according to iPhone. <laughs> it's all right there. Just Google Gospel from Daily Mass. It's really short. Read it. Ask God what he's saying to you through his word, and then talk to him from your heart. Make that a daily habit, because if it's not, it'll never happen. Now, you might be thinking, I'm not a monk. I can't pray every morning. Look, I know you're not. That's why I'm only asking you for something that takes about two minutes. And if you do that every day, I promise you, it will change your life. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com. Virgin Most Powerful Radio. 
sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.